Good afternoon, Facebook, and welcome to the Bible study that Bill Allen from West Irwin Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas, uh, has every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time. Uh, We're going through the book of Colossians. I also do a Facebook Live study on Sunday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central Time, and uh, that is looking at the Gospel of Mark, and so you're welcome to join me on that study as well. Uh, Both of these are about 30 minutes in duration, uh, even though the long-winded preacher sometimes might go a few minutes over. Uh, But uh, glad to have you joining me today. Uh, Lots of folks will take part, and some will take part live, and that's great. Some will give me a shout-out hello, and if I can, I will acknowledge that once I get going. As you know, uh, I kind of don't see much else, so that's uh, that's just the way that plays out. Uh, Pat is here with us, along with my dear friend and sister Jessica. Great to see you here. Uh, Larry and Lynn Murphy are dear friends that are members here and uh, have been worshiping from home, as many have. Uh, My cousins, Gail and Keith, great to see your name up there, Gail, and wonderful to have you. Uh, Others will join in, I know, and uh, it's always good to to see those names. It brings a smile to my face and a a warm place in my heart. And today in North Texas, uh, a warm place is a great thing. Uh, because it's cold. It's cold for us Texicans here, and uh, we know that uh, it's a lot colder in some other places, but it's very cold here, and it's going to be cold for the next several days, so be careful. Our our hearts and uh, minds and prayers, of course, are with all of those in uh, uh, the Fort Worth area who were affected and are still affected by the uh, pileup of, of 100 plus vehicles uh, including uh, several 18-wheelers that were involved in a in a uh, uh, accident of massive proportions n- just north of the downtown area of Fort Worth on I-35, uh, and several lost their lives. Others have uh, been affected by that and uh, injured or uh, property damage, uh, trauma. Uh, hope and pray that uh, all will go well for all of you, and uh, so be safe. Uh, this these next several days here in uh, East Texas, Northeast Texas is, is going to be pretty precarious. Um, we'll have some good days and bad days, but we're all they're all going to be cold. So uh, again, use good judgment and discretion. What a blessing it is on weekends like this to have that option of worshiping online and taking part in that. And I know several are still doing that uh, in the midst of this pandemic and others uh, might be joining uh, that group. Uh, on Sunday morning, we will have our Bible classes at 9, our worship service at 10. Uh, online, we'll have our worship service at 10, and then my Facebook study at 4. Uh, but um, uh, we'll uh, look forward to, uh, it's supposed to be cold but dry. And so I'm going to go with that, and hopefully that will, everyone will be safe and still be able to gather and worship uh, as you anticipate doing. Uh, Today, our lesson is taken from this great passage in Colossians 2, uh, verses 16 through 23. That's uh, something that we introduced this past uh, uh, week, uh, uh, earlier this week on Tuesday. And so we're um, going to be uh, looking at that passage again today. Uh, And so our friends Eric and Cindy Mosley are with us, so let's get started, shall we? Uh, The title of these lessons, Angels We Have Seen Everywhere, uh, kind of dates back to that understanding that uh, angels are really popular these days in TV shows, movies, 
uh, all kinds of uh, figurines, framed art. Uh, angels have made a comeback <laughs> in the modern culture. Uh, and, and we talked a little bit on Tuesday about why that is. And one of the statements I made is this, angels today offer a pain-free, low-cost spirituality. Angels are not a threat. They're just there to help you, comfort you, give you assurance, and that's pretty much it. They don't require anything of you. They don't ask you to do anything. Um, it's, a, it's a very low-cost, pain-free spirituality, and spirituality is in, as we said, uh, but religious doctrine and dogma and commands are not in at all. The problem with that, of course, is that angels are talked about in the Bible, but in, in every case, angels are messengers of God to do His will. And the scriptures, the Word of God, is the message of God for us today, the inspired and authoritative Word that tells us what that will of God, our Creator and Father and Savior is. And that's not something that a lot of people want to hear. And so they go into other options, and there will always be options. Uh, First and Second Thessalonians talk about that, that great passage in Second Thessalonians 1 that speaks about how God is even willing to send them a delusion. If they want to reject his will and his word, there will be options. Uh, Jesus himself, the Son of God, when he walked this earth, was not going to force his will and his word on anybody but he made it available to everyone. And I think that's what we see in the inspired uh, scripture. And the inspired scripture is pretty clear. There's no such thing as a low cost, pain-free Christianity. Jesus himself said in Luke 9, as we have said before, that if we are gonna be his disciple, then we must deny ourselves. It's already a high cost deny ourselves, take up our cross, well, so much for pain-free, and follow him. Why? Because that's how he lived his life. Uh, But there are a lot of people that don't want to do that, and so there are other options, as I said, including options that they might make up themselves. And that was true in the first century also. So let's look at this passage, Colossians 2, verses 16 through 23. Therefore, based on everything he said in the first two chapters, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are all a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. A lot of those things have to do with the old law, the law of Moses, but they were also practiced by some of the pagan religions as well. Verse 18, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Remember that false humility term. We'll see that again. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They talk about their visions. They talk about the things they've seen. They don't want to talk about the Word of God because the Word of God contradicts what they have claimed to see in their visions. I want to come back to that in just a moment. Um, verse uh, the middle of verse 18 again such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen they're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind they have lost connection with the head verse 19 and he's already told us in chapter 1 that the head of the body the church is Jesus Christ himself they have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together 
by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. You can read more about that in passages like 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 20, since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Verse 21 says, again, possibly alluding to the old law. These rules, which have to do with the things which are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations, verse 23, indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. All these extra things that people are doing that scripture does not require, uh, that they're doing simply to look good in front of other people. Paul says, and rightly so, that they don't have value when it comes to living a faithful life. You know, Jesus talked about fasting. He talked about praying and fasting and giving in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. And regarding all of them, he said, don't do this just to be seen by people. Do this out of service and obedience to your heavenly Father. And when he sees it, he'll reward you and he'll bless you. If you're just doing it to be seen by others so that they'll think, wow, what a spiritual person Bill is, then as Jesus says in Matthew 6, Bill has his reward in full. He's not going to get anything else. He's going to get that glory from people who see, which is all what he wants. But as far as any kind of spiritual benefit, and certainly any eternal benefit, it doesn't come that way. And so Paul talks about people who will try to do that exact thing. They go into great detail about their vision, about what they've seen, but they've lost connection with Christ. They've lost connection with the head. And how have they done that? They've done that by getting away from Scripture and being, and being willing to settle for something else. Granted, that something else may very well be easier right now. Because again, that call to discipleship is hard. And sometimes it hurts. And sometimes we have to give up some things. That's what it means to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Christ. And yet, that's what Jesus said we have to do. Paul himself in Romans 12 says we give our bodies to the Lord as living sacrifices. In Galatians 2 verse 20, that familiar passage, uh, he says, I am crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. Well, that's what it means to be a faithful Christian, to be a faithful follower of Christ, a faithful disciple. It means you follow in his steps and his steps led to the cross. His steps called him to leave that comfort of heaven in the throne room of the Father and come and be born of, uh, of humanity, be a human, a servant, um, and a, a teacher and preacher without a home in this world. And, and yet he spoke the will and the word of the Father. Um, so let's look at this passage and, and take a look as we kind of walk through it uh, looking back on earlier in chapter 2 when he says, look, don't, don't fall into the trap of those who offer hollow and deceptive philosophies. 
Uh, he says that exact thing earlier in chapter 2. Now he says, based on everything he said so far, how Jesus is the head of the church, his body, how Jesus is the creator and sustainer and savior, uh, how all of the fullness of deity lives only in Jesus. And now, as he says in the verses immediately preceding this, how Jesus brings about our salvation through his death and blood on, shed on the cross, and how we come in contact with that sacrifice by being by dying to sin ourselves and being buried with Christ through baptism and then raised to live a new life. I'm preaching on that actually this Sunday from that great chapter. Um, uh, I'll be preaching on that uh, in the next couple of weeks from uh, Romans chapter 6, Righteousness Living. Uh, that's the lesson for a week from Sunday. And, and that passage ties in directly with this great passage in Colossians 2. Now, he says, because of all of those things, don't let anybody judge you on what you eat or drink. Uh, don't let anybody judge you with these special rules. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. All of these thou shalt nots that you can't find in Scripture. But they are thou shalt nots that you could find in certain interpretations of the law of Moses. You remember Jesus himself with his disciples got into trouble with the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, because they had narrowed down that law and had narrowed down the interpretation of that law to where uh, Jesus said, no, you guys have lost it. You've lost what that means, as Hosea 6 says, that Jesus himself quotes uh, in uh, answering the Jewish leaders. Uh, in Matthew 9 and in Matthew 12 when he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You're, you're calling people to sacrifice in ways that God just hasn't called. And now at, that he has been crucified and raised and ascended and the church has begun in Acts 2, now there were still some of those Jewish Christians who were trying to force that law on others. And Paul wouldn't have it. He wouldn't have it in Galatians, he wouldn't have it in Romans, and he wouldn't have it here in Colossians either. But there is a sense in which he says, be mindful of one another. That great passage, uh, for three or four chapters, Paul, in those chapters in Romans, talks about this exact thing. Does the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, chapter 9, he talks about a Christian's rights, which means you have the right to give up all your rights for the sake of your brother or sister. Uh, chapter 10, the same thing. Uh, chapter 11, concern about the Lord's Supper, that people were not being considerate of one another. Uh, chapter 12, those that great passage in 1 Corinthians 12 about the church and how it is one body, but many members with many different gifts, all of which are important, all of which are needed. Um, and so all of the, and then that, the, the whole core of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that talks about love, being willing to act in the best interest of the other person. Um, and uh, what a great, great passage that is. In 1 Corinthians 14, he says, let that love be a consideration as you do your worship assembly so that you don't demand your preferences, but you are willing to go under the, the realm of scripture you're willing to go with what will be an encouragement to somebody else, even if it means it doesn't mean that much to you, but because you are more concerned with others rather than yourself, then you're willing to do that. Well, that's that's basically where he comes from in a little bit uh, shorter, briefer moment here at the end of Colossians 2, as he talks about these rules. And in Romans, he says, look, 
you need to act in the in the interest of your brother or sister there may be something that's that you don't have a problem with but if it's going to affect your brother or sister in a negative way and challenge their faith then don't do it if it's just a liberty you have don't demand your right to do that that's not the way of the cross if Jesus had lived that way he would have never left heaven and he certainly wouldn't have gone to the cross and now he calls us to do the same and yet sometimes we think oh yeah I'd be willing to give my life well will you be willing to give up one of your preferences yeah maybe you would die for Christ if called upon you would confess his name even if it meant the taking of your life but how about living your life for the sake of others how about sacrificing some of the things that you enjoy that you like that are perfectly okay for you to have and yet it's helpful for a brother or sister that you um, not take part in that well that's what Romans talks about that's what Colossians talks about that's what Jesus talks about and so Paul says look don't don't take advantage of rights that you have if it's going to affect your brother or sister in a negative way but in this passage he also says don't require things of your brother or sister uh, that that God does not require and and don't fall into the, that prey uh, of someone who is just shouting a bunch of words and laws and commands at you that on the surface look righteous and that's what he says these verses are so incredible because he says in verse 18 don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you so that false humility again later on uh, down there in verse uh, 23 he says these regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship and their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence they look good on the surface I mean it looks like this person is wow this must be a super spiritual person because look at all the things that that he denies himself of and and now he's calling on me to deny myself so that I can be as spiritual as he is Paul says don't fall for it we are free in Christ that doesn't mean we're free to stomp all other all over our sincere and devout brothers and sisters and that doesn't mean that we're free to do things that will hurt uh, the reputation and the cause of Christ but it does mean that we don't have to follow the rules that others say simply because that's their self-imposed worship and not the Word of God and Christ's imposed worship. What he says is that those things just don't help. They don't help. Uh, they don't restrain sensual indulgence. Uh, and we've seen that time and time again. Uh, lived out and <laughs> unfortunately lived out by many leaders of faith uh, who ha have fallen even though on Sunday they might preach or teach or uh, throughout the week on their Twitter page uh, demand a certain high regard for uh, self-denial and yet themselves are found to have not been able to do that exact thing that they preach about as a preacher and a teacher and a leader in the church uh, I realize that I am human and that I am capable of falling as well and no one needs to look at me as the great example uh, they need to look to Jesus Christ but in my position and and in your position as a Christian and certainly if you're a leader in God's church 
uh, we need to follow what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Well, Jesus said, I have come to do your will, O God. Uh, he said, not my will, but yours be done. He called on us to obey his teaching. He said, you'll be judged by my words in John 12. Uh, he said in Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me and calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but it's the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Well, in Scripture, even in Colossians, in the very next chapter, in chapter 3, he's going to give us a list of thou shalt nots and a list of thou shalts. Scripture doesn't allow us to just live any way we want to live, but as a part of that, Scripture also doesn't allow us to presume to be in the place of God and demand self-imposed worship on others that we might or might not be demanding of ourselves. And even if we are demanding it, Paul questions the sincerity of those who would do that. Um, in this self-declared spirituality, this lack of knowledge and, account and accountability, there are two extremes. One is that everything is allowed. <laughs> but the other is that everything is forbidden. And guess what? Both are wrong. Neither of those is biblical teaching. Uh, we are free in Christ. We're not free to disregard the word and will of God, nor are we free to disregard the concerns for our brother or sister in Christ. But we also have freedom in Christ to be able to follow God according to our own conscience when it comes to those things that the Bible leaves up to us, quite frankly. And some of the things that he mentions here, some of the things that he mentions in Romans and in 1 Corinthians, about eating meat, for example, that had been offered up to an idol. That was a, a big deal for the Jewish and non-Jewish Christians in the first century because there might be a pagan farmer, who rancher, who raised cattle or raised uh, the, the beef and took it to the market after praying to his God and offering up as a sacrifice to his false God and then sold it in the marketplace. Well, there were some Christians who felt like that was idolatry. That's how important it was to him. There were other Christians, and I think Paul is one of those because of what he says in 1 Corinthians 8, who said, look, an idol is nothing. Isaiah talks about that. An idol is nothing. It's something that man built that's not to be worshiped. And so Paul says, look, if you can do that in good conscience, then that's okay. That's okay. But he says, if your brother or your sister is hurt by it, then it's not okay. You're not acting in love. In fact, he goes so strong in Romans chapters 13 and 14 and 15 that he says, Do not, uh, for the sake of your own liberty, destroy the work of God that Jesus died for. Uh, that's how important and significant it is. We're not to add to or take away from Scripture. Revelation 22 says that. Uh, Jesus himself says that. Uh, in Matthew 7 and John 12 in the Sermon on the Mount and so many other places, uh, Scripture calls us uh, to go by the inspired and authoritative Word of God. In 2 Timothy 3 and 4, Paul tells the young preacher Timothy, preach the Word. Preach that inspired and authoritative Word that is profitable and, and helpful and, and what is needed for, for all of those questions that you have as you discuss what it means to follow me what it means to follow God. Um, 
what the apostle says was true then at the end of this chapter in Colossians 2 is just as true now and that is when people take it upon themselves to decide what's right or wrong um, and they're against things and are telling you not to do them or they make up things and are telling you you have to do them uh, that Jesus himself didn't uh, call on us to do through his own teaching and through the inspired scripture um, then it, it sounds like they're really spiritual it, it looks good it has the appearance of wisdom and it has that sense of false humility but in the end it's just for show in the end it has no value to help a person live faithfully to Christ every single day uh, what will help there what will help there well reading and studying this book right here well being involved in Bible studies like this one and others being a part of a church family where you can be accountable to other Christians who are yeah we all have our sins we all have our weaknesses but it the purpose of the church is to be in there together and helping each other work through all of those things so that we can grow and mature in our faith and we can help them grow and mature in their faith as well none of us is perfect and that's why we need each other so much and that's why we meet together in our assemblies that's what the book of Hebrews says in chapter 3 and in chapter 10 don't don't stop meeting together get be in contact with each other even during a pandemic we might say find some way to connect through online Bible study through texting and calling and cards don't lose that connection with each other because you need each other you need them they need you uh, that's why we have the church God could have told us just live that out on your own good luck God bless instead he put us in a, in a family a family of believers and we're called upon to be both spiritual and religious I realize as we said on Tuesday that boy everybody loves to talk about being spiritual but what they don't like to talk about is being religious because religious points us back to scripture religious says there are some right ways and wrong ways to follow God Jesus didn't say in John 14 verse 6 um, God's up there in heaven like on a good map there's lots of different ways that you can get there so you choose that's not what he said in John 14 verse 6 he said I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except by me I realize that's not a very important uh, uh, a very popular statement in 21st century culture especially here in America but that's the that's the scripture that's the Word of God and we can we can see other people who are making a, a great attempt to be spiritual and they are saying I I want to have this peace that comes with being in touch with the creation and being in touch with whatever superior power there is but I don't want you to tell me how to do it and I certainly don't want to follow any written word that you say is inspired that tells me how to do it well what do you do well you let them go you let them go just like Jesus did you try to encourage them you try to be an example to them and and you're there to help them when they realize that what they're doing doesn't bring that fulfillment it doesn't bring that ability uh, to actually live a faithful life it's simply another avenue of selfishness that people will use to worship themselves rather than their creator and it's what Paul talks about in Romans 1 
worshiping and serving the creature rather than the creator. And it's condemned. It's condemned for all, including those who call themselves Christians. And so let's be careful here, because spirituality and religion can, indeed must, exist together. And even in the Old Testament, Moses talked to the people about prophecy. He said, look, God's going to send you prophets one day, and, and that's a good thing. You need to hear what they have to say. But then the question comes, well, how do we know if a prophet is real or not? How do we know if what we're reading in Scripture is real or not? Um, how do we know if what we're hearing from someone who says they had this vision or they saw an angel or they had this extra command that we don't find in Scripture, how do, how do we know that that's real? Well, Moses tells us in Deuteronomy 18 that there will be some who will claim to be prophets of God and if they make a prophecy and it doesn't come to pass, it doesn't happen, Deuteronomy 18 verses 14 through 22, if they say something's going to happen and it doesn't, they're not from God. Boy, do we need to hear that today. There are a lot of people out there who are saying all kinds of crazy things. Crazy things, yes, I said that. In the name of God, and have absolutely no right whatsoever to do that. And the amazing thing to me is they fail at every stop, every point they make. It doesn't happen, and yet still people flock to them and listen for that next <laughs> deadline that next prophecy stop just stop come here this is the word of God there are some things you're gonna like about it some things you're not gonna like about it it's gonna call you to live a life of faithfulness to God loving him loving others being a servant none of those things are great headline grabbing book selling lines but Jesus was never about that he cared nothing about those things. What he cared about was that people follow him from their hearts. And we can still do that. We can do that. If a prophet makes a prophecy and it doesn't happen, they're not from God. Scripture says that in Deuteronomy 18. And in Deuteronomy 13, it goes even further. The first five verses of Deuteronomy 13, Moses says, Look, if, if a person claims to be a prophet of mine and they make a prophecy and it comes to pass... And it happens. But they say follow some other God. They are to be condemned. They're not to be listened to. Well, Bill, how is it that they how is it that their prophecy happened? They say they had this angelic vision, and sure enough, it came to pass. How did that happen? And Bill's answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was a happy coincidence. Maybe God sent them that delusion that he talks about in 2 Thessalonians 1. I don't know. But I do know this, it doesn't matter. If what they're saying is consistent with the Word of God, I'm all for it. But if what they're saying violates and contradicts the inspired Scripture, it doesn't matter how fantastic their record is. They're wrong. They're wrong. And to do that is going to be to turn away from the one God and the one Savior who can actually do what He says, who can actually keep His promises. Hebrews chapter 11, it says that faith is absolutely necessary. It's impossible to please God without trusting and believing in Him. Why? Because to be pleasing to God, you must believe that He exists and that He keeps His promises. And we know that about God. We don't believe that about a lot of others that we see going about in this world. Our spirituality and our religion 
are based on the centrality of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says in this whole great second chapter. Verse 6, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness and gratitude. Verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Let Christ be good enough for you. Let the word of God, the inspired scripture, be enough. And don't try to find more out there because they can't keep their promises and they can't bring salvation. Uh, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, verse 9 of Colossians 2, and only in Christ. Uh, in Christ, we have been circumcised, having been buried with Christ by baptism, verse 12, in which we were also raised with him through our faith in the working of God who raised Christ from the dead. And so don't let anyone judge you by all these extra commands, all these thou shalt and thou shalt nots that God has not commanded. They look good. They sound good. They have an appearance of wisdom. They bring about a sense of false humility and spirituality that makes you think, wow, that person is really something. Well, if they're pointing to themselves and their own spirituality, their own humility, and they're not pointing you to Jesus Christ and to his word, it's not enough. But Jesus Christ is enough. He is enough. He lived and died and was raised from the dead, and now he's promised that he's preparing a place for all of us. That is enough. Uh, trust in Christ and Christ alone. As that great song says, in Christ alone. Be careful this weekend. God bless and I'll see you soon.